If you have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians, chapter one. The supremacy of Jesus. That is our subject matter this afternoon, our topic, our title, The Supremacy of Jesus. We're going to do a brief study and overview of the book of Colossians this afternoon. Praise God. I want to open in a quick word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for how you confirm your word, Lord, constantly over and over to us. Thank you that you've done that and more today through our worship, through what we heard this morning. God, I just thank you. Now, let this word fall on good soil. Let it bring forth fruit a hundredfold and let your name be glorious in the midst of your people. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Book of Colossians chapter one, you can just leave your Bible open there and we'll be skimming over the book as we go. But just to give you a little bit of background, Colossae was a city, a town, a city that was located near Laodicea and also another town called Hierapolis, Hierapolis. And it was about 100 miles east of uh, Ephesus in what was called Asia, Asia Minor, okay? And Epaphras, who was a native of Colossae, who had been converted under Paul's ministry, went to see and visit Paul, who was imprisoned at the time. He was imprisoned in Rome. And Epaphras began to share with the Apostle Paul about what was going on in Colossae among the believers in the church. He began to share how the believers were, were doing really well and how they were focused on the Lord and how they had become strong in their faith and how, how they were loving one another and, uh, and all because of the hope of the gospel that had come to them and that they had received. And so he, he begins to share with them how well they're doing and uh, how they're going forward. But he also began to share how suddenly uh, false teaching and doctrine and trains of thought were trying, beginning to seep into the church and beginning to infiltrate the minds of the people and, begin, and how the people were beginning to feel pressure on, on different sides because of different trains of thought that were coming into the house of God. And so uh, these trains of thought were designed to put pressure on the people to turn them from their exclusive devotion and faith to Jesus, their exclusive devotion to Christ and their faith in him and him alone, okay? So on one side, they're feeling pressure uh, to, 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 because of a certain teaching had come to them called mystical polytheism, which means basically mystical worship of many gods, poly, many gods, as opposed to one God. And on the other side was the pressure to observe the Old Testament Jewish laws, to continue to observe the Old Testament Jewish laws. And so Paul writes to the believers in Colossae to address the false teaching, which had begun to undermine their belief in the centrality and supremacy of Christ and to challenge them to go into a deeper devotion to Jesus. The false teaching was influenced by these two trains of thought, mystical polytheism. See, the society of the day uh, worshiped Greek and Roman gods, such as, such as Hermes, which represented the god of, of provision or the god of money, okay? Uh, Aphrodite, the God of sexuality, sex, 
okay? Uh, Apollo, the god of music. Not much has changed today. These influences are, are, are without, but they're also in the church, folks. When you think of the, the, the focus in the house of God that's been in the house of God for decades now on, on you can be rich, you know, and this is how you can go forward and you can err, you can, uh, you can, uh, that Christ has come to make you rich and to make you wealthy and to, 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 to meet all your needs so that you're comfortable. Uh, the, the idea that you too can have the American dream uh, has come into the church and our focus has turned inward. And Aphrodite, sex, you know, they say sex sells, so everything has sex in it, from, uh, from music to advertisements to movies, right, media, everything has some type of sens sensual or sexual connotation to it. And then, of course, music is such a powerful influence. You don't have to be long in an environment where music is playing, and then suddenly, you, it might not even be your type of music, but suddenly you're there, and then you find yourself tapping your foot. And then you're looking at your foot like, and I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> right? You could be in a, a pizzeria or in the mall or, or anywhere, right? And then suddenly, the, the, it's such a powerful influence and that stuff gets in your spirit, right? But even in the house of God, even in a, I thank God for the worship, the pure worship that goes in this house, goes forth in this house. Are you, do you appreciate the music ministry? Do you appreciate the band and the choir, Greg Thomas and his leadership? But folks, there, there's so much Christian music out there today where the focus is on the senses and what we can get from God and, and, and that's it. Focus on uh, sensory things, if you will, and no focus on Christ at all. And it's real shallow, and it's empty worship. And so this was, this was the, the wor what they worshiped in that day, and the influence that came from the society of the day, mu which much hasn't changed today. And, and so many of those who were coming to Christ were basically tempted to just add Jesus to the mix, just add Jesus to their current lifestyles. In other words, they were adding Jesus to a long list of gods that they believed met their needs. Probably thinking, let's just add Jesus to everything else that we're doing. Let's just add a little religion to our lives and then we'll be good. We'll be good. We'll be covered. But these gods were not gods at all. They were actually demonic spirits that sought to dominate the thoughts and the lives of those who served them, to enslave those who had come under their control. And then the next pressure came from the other side uh, to observe the old, to continue to observe the Old Testament law. See, the Jewish Christian community, Jewish Christian community, okay, those who had been converted who were Jews and had been converted, began to put pressure on the non-Jews, the non-Jewish Christians to, listen to this, to complete their commitment to Christ by observing Old Testament laws, for example, by eating a kosher diet or observing certain holy or sacred days and circumcision. And for Paul... To yield to either of these trains of thought was dangerous mixture. 
and would ultimately leave them powerless to live an overcoming life. The Old Testament law was based on, on you do, if you do this, I will bless you. If you do this. So in other words, in your own strength, the Lord had given, remember Genesis, the people, the te original temptation that came to Adam and Eve was that you can be like God, knowing good and evil. You can, you can, you can live life and you don't really need God. God's holding out on you. Be your own God. You can judge for yourself what's good and evil. You don't need God to tell you that this ain't right, that this is not good, that sex out of, outside of marriage is not good. You don't need God to tell you that. You don't need God to tell you that you can be a, 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 a man today and a woman tomorrow. You don't need God to tell you that. There are no more absolutes. You're, you, don't, you don't need God to tell you and define who you are. You don't need God to tell you that it's not right to murder. You can do whatever you want. You can step on anybody else to climb the corporate ladder. You can, you can take advantage of people. You can deceive. You can lie to get what you want. It's okay. You don't need God to tell you that. There are no more absolutes. And so that was the, that was the original sin. You can be your own God, right? Judging for yourself what is good and evil. So, so, the Lord, so what God did in the Old Testament was he gave them 600 laws. He gave them 600 laws to say, okay, if you're God, then obey these laws. If you are God, then you'll be perfect. You'll never make a mistake and you'll obey these laws. But if you obey, the, if you fail in one area, you failed in them all. You're not God. And so the Old Testament law was designed to show us that we are not God and that we actually are sinners and need a savior. So now that the savior has come, folks, now that the savior has come, he has completed everything. He finished all the work on the cross. Are you with me? So we stand complete in Christ. And so we're no longer under the Old Testament Lords trying to obey a bunch of rules and regulations to be accepted by God. We are already accepted in the beloved. We are already children of the living God. I don't have to prove my love to God. I don't have to earn his favor. I'm already under his favor. Are you with me this afternoon? And folks, sometimes, yet though, we live as if, if I don't, if I make a mistake today, or if I had a rough day, or if I didn't do my devotions today, or if maybe I said something or didn't do something right, yeah, we had to repent. Get, make no mistake about it. We're to turn, right? We don't want to live in sin. We can't live in sin if the Holy Spirit lives in us. He won't let us do that. But that doesn't mean I can't come to God uh, and lift my hands, folks, to God. Once I've repented and I've turned, I've been convicted, I've been convinced that this is wrong and I repent, I don't have to come moping into the house of God. I can come boldly to his throne of grace. Listen, why am I going to shy away from the only one who can help me walk in victory? Why would he reject me at the moment I need him the most? Folks, that's the moment when I should come into his presence. So he can empower me to continue to walk, to rise up, right? A righteous man may fall, Seven times, but what does he do? He gets up and he keeps going. Hallelujah. He keeps going. Why is he righteous? Because he's had a perfect day? No, because he's been given the righteousness of God and he's been imputed the righteousness of God. In other words, right standing with God because of the finished work of Christ and his faith in that finished work. Amen? So, 
For Paul to yield to either of these two trains of thought was dangerous mixture and it would ultimately leave them powerless to living and overcoming life. And it was very, and the, and, and it was very similar to the mixture found actually in cults today, folks. A lot of cults have mixed day. There's a little bit of Jesus, but then a little bit of something else. Right? And Paul considered this mindset of failure. He considered this mindset of failure to grasp who Christ really is and what he actually accomplished. And so Paul writes this letter to the Colossae church. And he begins the letter with the greeting. And then he goes on to give thanks for the believer's faith and love and hope. He begins to give thanks, and you find that in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. And from our brother Timothy, we are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. So he acknowledges that they were faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God, our Father, give you grace and peace. We always thank God. We always pray for you. And we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. So he begins to give thanks for their faith, for their love, for their confident hope, which was producing this faith and love. Amen. And and, and then he begins to express this, this, what his prayer was for this Colossi church, which was that they would keep growing spiritually, that they would keep going forward in their walk with Christ, that they would not turn to the, le- to the left or to the right, that they would not be distracted from simple devotion to Christ, that their eyes would be on Jesus and him alone. Hallelujah. And so in the process of, 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 in order to help them advance spiritually, to facilitate their advancement spiritually, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins to teach them and give them what's called sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. And so we'll begin with point number one. He begins to speak to them about the supremacy and absolute preeminence of Jesus. The supremacy and absolute preeminence of Jesus. Point number one. And under point number one, we have our first bullet point, which is basically that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He begins to prove to them the supremacy and absolute preeminence of Jesus. Jesus is God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. He begins to say this. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all. Somebody say all. All creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made all the things we can see and all the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdom, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. For he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Jesus is God. He, Christ is God incarnate. He is God made flesh, and he is the Lord of all creation. 
He is the visible image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God the Father is, Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hallelujah. He is eternal. He is omnipotent. And that he has no equal. He has no rival. He is equal with the Father. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says this, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. He is the head over every ruler and authority. He is the head over your landlord. He is the head over your boss. Hallelujah. He is the head over your parents. If you're a young person today and your parents are giving you grief because you're trying to walk with Christ. Folks, I was the first one saved in my household. My parents, when I, before I came to Christ, they were like, you are nuts. You've lost your mind. What are you, in a cult? Yet before, I was getting high, drinking, partying, coming home at all kind of wee hours of the night. And I was okay to them. But I really wasn't. I was a rebel. Miserable in sin. Fighting with my dad constantly. But then over time, they began to see the difference. And then one day, the Lord gave me the privilege. And one day, after praying for them for 14 years, to win them both to Christ. Hallelujah. He is the head over every ruler and authority. Proverbs 21.1 says, the, the, the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord like channels of water. He directs it wherever he wants. Praise God. And therefore, he requires first place in our thoughts and activities to acknowledge Jesus Folks, to acknowledge Jesus as Christ as supreme, because he is supreme, our lives must be Christ-centered. And like one author said, to recognize him as God means to make our relationship with him and his interests our top priority. Let me say that again. Because Christ is supreme, because he is in control of all things, and our lives are in his hands, our lives must be Christ-centered. And to recognize him as God means to make our relationship with him and his interests our top priority. Secondly, second sub-point under, under uh, the supremacy and preeminence of Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church Jesus is the head of the church. Colossians 1.18 says this, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. Folks, he is the head of the church, meaning those who truly trust in him. Those who truly trust in him. He is the founder and leader of all his believers. And therefore, he requires first place in our thoughts and activities. And to acknowledge Jesus as our head means that he is allowed to lead us in all that we do and think. He is allowed to lead us in all that we do or think. Folks, he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all.
He requires faith. He requires first place in our thoughts and activities. Folks, no thing, no one, and no thing rivals his leadership in our lives. Amen. Third sub point under Jesus being the supreme and absolute, uh, the supreme and absolute preeminence of Jesus. Third sub point. He is our redeemer. He is our redeemer. Colossians 13 tells us he rescued us and delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Hallelujah. Verse 14 tells us he purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. He is the one who reconciles all things. Hallelujah to God. That's verse 19 and 20. And he is the one who reconciled us to God. Verse 21 through 23. Praise the living God. Praise God. Praise God. Verse 21 says, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself. Reconciled you to himself. Praise God. He's restored us to right relationship with himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy. In other words, set apart to him. You are his. Set apart from this world. Consecrated. Devoted to God. Pure. Abstaining from earthly defilement. You are set apart to him and blameless. In other words, faultless as you stand before him without a single fault. Which is an amazing thought when you think about it. Which means you and I are irreproachable irreproachable in his sight, in his presence, beyond reproach, folks, beyond reproach. <laughs> but verse 23 says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't go backwards. Don't go back to the Old Testament. You're in the New Testament age. Don't go back under the law where you're trying to earn God's favor. Where you're trying to please God in your own sight. You know what pleases God? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those that come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, that earnestly seek him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. He says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Don't drift away from it. Don't begin to drift away back to the old system, the old way, the old way of relating to God. Don't do that. Eyes on Jesus. Somebody say eyes on Jesus. I want you to turn to your neighbor on your left and right and say, eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. Fourth subpoint. We are united with him. Colossians 2:10 tells us that we are united with him. Praise God. So you are also complete through your union with Christ. Complete. You don't have to complete anything, folks. You already are complete. The work of Christ was thorough and it is finished. It is done. You don't have to add anything to it and don't take anything away from it. Through your union with Christ, he is the head over every ruler and authority. Praise God. Because, of our, because our sins have been forgiven and we have been reconciled back to God, we have union with Jesus we have a union with Jesus that cannot be broken. Hallelujah. Praise God. Folks, because of our union with him, he gives us knowledge of his will. He gives us wisdom and spiritual understanding. He gives us strength. He strengthens us with all might, which means inherent power, folks. Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power, inherent power, enabling us to have all the endurance and long-suffering we need. He is the one who fills us with joy, which is a fruit of the Spirit. Folks, you find that in Colossians 1.11. He's the one who strengthens us with all might, enabling us to have all the endurance and long-suffering we need. He is the one who fills us with joy. He enables us to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Second point. Paul shares in the sufferings of Jesus. And you find that in Colossians 1, 24. You find Paul speaking of sharing in the sufferings. He says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. He speaks of how glad he is that, and, and what an honor it is to share in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body. In other words, to identify with Christ through his suffering. He identified with Christ through his suffering. And folks, we too have the opportunity through th times of suffering to identify with the sufferings of Christ to identify with the sufferings of Christ. According to Nelson's Bible uh, dictionary, suffering means this. It means agony. It means affliction. It means distress. Do you find yourself in a place of distress? It means intense pain or sorrow. Have you ever found yourself in a place of intense pain or sorrow? Folks, suffering has been part of the human experience since the fall into sin. Genesis 3. One third of the Psalms are laments, which include graphic descriptions of suffering. The theme of the book of Job is the problem of suffering and why God permits the righteous to suffer. The Bible makes it clear that some suffering is as a result of evil action or sin in the world. This type of suffering came upon man after the fall in the Garden of Eden. But some suffering is not related to past experiences. It is forward-looking in that it serves to shape and refine God's children. 
I said it serves to shape and refine God's children. Think of Joseph, who was destined to go and be second in command of Egypt, be put in a position of authority. But before that, he goes into a pit, and then he's sold into slavery, and then he's taken away from his family and put in a house where he's falsely accused, and then he ends up in prison, but the Lord was going to use all of it to refine his character and to prepare him for what God was about to do and which would save much people alive through his life. Are you with me this afternoon? And he went on to say, what you meant for evil, God turned it around for good. <laughs> he works all things, somebody. All things for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The book of Hebrews declares that Jesus learned obedience by the things which he suffered and that he was perfected through suffering. Suffering has the potential to allow God to demonstrate his power in and through our lives. Those who suffer are in a position to comfort others with the comfort they themselves have received. But folks, how can you comfort other people if you're never uncomfortable. Do you understand? Sometimes we have to be uncomfortable so God can come and comfort us. But then when we begin to speak to people, there's an authority, there's a depth in our voice, in our speech. There's a, there's a weight to our words that God gives because we learn to trust him in the fiery furnace. And we've come out on the other side, not bitter, not with any smell of smoke, not accusing God, but giving praise and glory and honor to Jesus. Hallelujah. So suddenly there is a weight into your words and, and where you're able to comfort others with the comfort you yourself have received, folks. So we are in a position to comfort others. Suffering also helps believers identify with Christ, which we talked about. Praise God. Amen. And there's another type of suffering which Paul talks about here, which is enduring for the sake of others, which is what he was talking about here. And then he goes on to speak about the pressure that came upon them to turn away. And this is my third point. He speaks of the pressure to turn away. And he speaks of that in Colossians 2, verse 6 through 23. Colossians 2, verse 6 through 23. He begins to talk about that here. He says, now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Verse seven, let your roots go down deep, down into him and let your lives be built on him. We're going to read this very fast. So uh, stay with me. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you through empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and the spiritual powers of this world, demonic powers and human reasoning and thoughts rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. And so you are also complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. He said, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not by a physical procedure. See, the, 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 Ju the Judaizers were putting pressure on them to be physically circumcised. But he said, no, you got a better circumcision now. Hallelujah. 
He says, you don't need, you don't need that. He said, Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, cutting away your sinful nature. In other words, giving you victory over the flesh. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. He says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature uh, was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities so they can't condemn you anymore. Hallelujah. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So you don't, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality which was to come. They wrote, they, all these things were pointing to Christ who was to come. He says to them, and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds a whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about the things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. When you and I are trying to live for God in our own strength, folks, there is no power. You and I have to come to the end of ourselves. And when we throw up our hands and we begin to glory in our infirmities, then the power of God can now rest upon us. For in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. Are you with me this afternoon? Hallelujah. Folks, we all have issues. We all have battles and struggles. We all have trials, challenges that we must face. There are times when we must deal with difficult things, battles without, battles within. Uh, there are things that we must suffer in this life. I want to ask you this afternoon, what are you facing even now? What is going on in your life? Even now, even today, as we speak. For the believers back then, it was the pressure to conform to the society around them and to focus on money, sex, music, etc. Or to embrace other truths, other truths, philosophies and religions. You hear that today, your truth. What's your truth? Your truth may not be what my truth is, right? You hear people saying that today? Other philosophies and religions. What are you struggling with? What challenges are you facing? Is there anything in your life that you're maybe putting too much emphasis, emphasis on, you're beginning to focus on other than Christ? Peter said, where are we going to go, Lord? You alone have the words of eternal life. 
Where are we going to go, Jesus? Don't drift away, folks, from your confidence in Christ. The work has been done. The work has been done. Hallelujah. The psalmist said, put it this way. He said, you guide me with your counsel. You lead me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? He says, I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. And he is my portion forever. My portion forever. Hallelujah. Lastly, Paul begins to speak about the new life of the believer. The new life of the believer. In Colossians chapter 3 and 4, Colossians chapter 3, he says, when Christ is your life, this is subpoint. He says, when Christ is your life, first subpoint under the new life of the believer, in chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, he says, when Christ is your life, you begin to lay aside the old life of sin. And you put on the new man in Christ. You put on the new man in Christ. Hallelujah. Chapter 3, verse 1. He says this. Since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be self-focused. Don't focus on self and self-satisfaction uh, self, self, uh, 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 and self-promotion and uh, self-focus. Pastor Carter talked about that this morning. Don't allow the enemy to turn your focus from Christ. Because of these sins, verse 6 says, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you stripped, have stripped off the old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds and put on your new nature and, renew your, uh, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Hallelujah. Become like him. Praise God. Become like him. Verse 12 says, since you, God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must close yourselves clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, making all allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Hello. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all else, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Next sub point, our relationships, when we have this new life, when Christ is our life, 
Our relationships begin to honor God. Folks, our relationships begin to honor God. Relationships between wives and husbands begin to honor God. Parents and children, servants and masters in that day, but in this context, it would be employees and employers. Amen? And then last sub-point, we begin to make a spiritual impact, which he talks about in chapter four. We live a life devoted to prayer, which means we seek God. And occasionally, if we're able, we're here on Tuesday nights. We're here on Tuesday nights. That was weak. We're here on Tuesday nights. Or we stream it. But we pray not only for ourselves, but we begin to pray for others, right? And as a result, we have a spiritual impact. We make a difference. We have spiritual influence. But not only that, we begin to live wisely towards those that are outside the kingdom. And then our speech is seasoned with grace. Suddenly our speech changes and it's seasoned with grace. Amen. Praise God. Folks, Jesus is supreme over all things. You don't need anything else. All you and I need is Jesus. So trust him today. Embrace him today. Look to him and live. Look to him and live. Look to him and live. Folks, I'm done. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And when I do, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm in the fight. I'm in a fight right now. I'm in a battle right now. And I could use prayer. I could use prayer. Would you raise your hand here? Would you raise your hand all over this house? Raise it real high. I'm in the fight. Maybe it's the fight of your life. You've never been in a battle like this before. Up in the balcony as well. I want you to look around, folks. Look at your brothers and sisters around you. Look at their hands. Okay. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And when you do, we're going to pray for one another. We're going to pray for one another. So I want you to notice the hands around you and it might be somebody behind you, but we're going to lay hands on each other's shoulders and we're going to begin to pray for one another today in the name of Jesus. Men with men, women with women, but let's stand right now. Let's stand right now. And would you begin to pray for your brothers and sisters? Let's turn around and begin to pray for one another. We're going to take three minutes and we're going to begin to pray for one another right now and lift our voices to God. And we're going to believe God for victory. Victory, folks, for our brothers and sisters. Victory for our brothers and sisters, whatever their need is. Victory. Come on, lift your voice to God. Lift your voice to God this afternoon. Freedom. Victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for victory. Thank you for victory. Thank you for the ability to go forward, God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for victory for my brothers and sisters here in the house. I thank you for victory for those who are streaming live over the internet, those who will watch this 
in the days to come over our webcast, Lord, online. I pray that you'll strengthen them with might in the inner man. God, in Jesus' name, I pray for the ability to see, Lord, a path before them. I pray that they would hear your voice behind them saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. God, in Jesus' name, I pray that you will strengthen them with all might. I pray for inherent power, Holy Ghost power. God, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your provision. I thank you that you are supreme over all things, that you are sufficient, that you are God. You are the head of the church. You are head over our lives, so, which means you are in control of all things. Lord, nothing escapes your gaze. Nothing catches you by surprise. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that the work that you have begun in them, that it would be completed, God, that it would continue. Lord, that they would not veer to the left or to the right, but that they would stand fast in you. I pray that faith would arise in their hearts, God, that every mountain of unbelief would melt like wax in your presence. I pray that they would run to the prayer closet, they would run to the prayer closet, that they would run and spend time with you, O oh God, and allow you to encourage them through your word that they would allow you to encourage them through your word and that they would get plugged into a local church, Lord, a local group of believers, that they would find other believers of like precious faith, Lord, and allow you through other believers to encourage their hearts and that they too would be an encouragement to others. God, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your body. Lord, touch, help, encourage, strengthen, bless God in Jesus' name. Fight their battles for them. God, I thank you for the victory that is inevitably theirs, that is theirs already, oh God, and that they will begin to walk in in the days ahead. God, I thank you. I bless you, God, for what you're doing and what you're going to do. I thank you that we're going forward in you. I thank you that we're going forward. We're going deeper, God, in you. We're going to keep our eyes on you because of your grace, because of your strength, God, because of your keeping power in our lives. Our eyes are going to be stayed on you. You said in your word, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. God, our hope is in you. We're putting all our eggs in one basket, oh God, and his name is Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I pray for the ability to make a difference, the ability to share their faith with others, oh God, the ability to pray prayers of faith and to see you do miracles in their lives, in their homes, on their jobs, in their community, on their campuses, God. I pray that no one would limit you, the Holy One of Israel, through unbelief. But God, that we would believe you to do great things. Hallelujah, because things change when we call you Jesus. Like we sang to thee, today things change when we call your name. God, we thank you. We thank you, God. We bless you for the victory today. We bless you, O oh God that you're gonna finish the good work you began through us. We thank you, O oh God, that where sin abounds, great super abounds, much more abounds to overwhelm, Lord, every battle, every struggle, Lord, to see us through every fight, Lord, that your name would be glorified. God, we thank you. We praise you today. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, glory to your name, glory to your name. Glory, glory, glory to your name. Hallelujah. Thank you for being supreme and sufficient. Lord, and for having the preeminence over all things in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Come on, begin to bless him this afternoon. Begin to praise him. Begin to thank him. God, we thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the victory, Lord. Thank you for healing. Thank you for vision for the future. Thank you for hope. Thank you for faith. Thank you for love. Thank you for a fresh touch, a fresh anointing. Thank you for victory. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Folks, we got Jesus. So everything's going to be not just all right. Everything is going to be great. Folks.